millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rural Report podcast in association with the Sun and Community Super Kitchen. And today, join us on the back of Sunderland's win over Cambridge in League One. Uh, I am with Martin Wanless, as always. How's Martin? I'm all right, mate. Yeah? I've had a, a fairly interesting day. I fell down a well earlier. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Explain that. We can't just brush over that. <laughs> well, I'd noticed a little sort of dip in, in the garden. So I, uh, I stamped on it. We've had lots of rain recently. I stamped on it. And all of a sudden, all the ground gave way. And I'm plummeting down this well. <laughs> <laughs> and just hell. managed to, to <laughs> stay up. Fortunately, nobody saw. Fortunately, no cameras picked it up because I would be on the internet, I think. But, huh? So, interesting. I'm a bit gutted that there was no cameras. <laughs> um, and I'm also joined by uh, Brett, who was at the match yesterday. How's Brett? Yeah, I'm very good, Gav. Thanks. I think I've just about uh, warmed up after yesterday's freezing cold afternoon. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, have you warmed up? Because... Yeah, it was cold, wasn't it? I've, I've I've never known a match like it, and I know obviously I'm a soft southerner, and that's probably like you know it's Sunderland in springtime. Um, but no, <laughs> it was it was a very very cold day. I bet there were still people with their tops off at the game yesterday. To be fair, I think that's the first time there hasn't been. I think even that even the toughest northerner <laughs> yesterday's chill. <laughs> so another three points after a. A bad run last week's been pretty good, Martin, hasn't it? We can't complain considering the conditions. I think. First half, when we had the wind, we made a count. Second half, we went through an absolute barrage of, of crosses and corners and set pieces into dangerous areas, and we dealt with all of them. I mean, you've got to credit the players and the manager for the performance yesterday, haven't you? You do. I thought it was a really good performance on a number of levels. I thought, certainly in the first half, especially in the first half, I thought our, our football was some of the best that we've played for probably since that crew game, if not earlier. Um, I thought we were knocking the ball around well. I think, um, you know, who, who knows how we would have lined up if, if Evans had been fit, because obviously he was a last-minute change, wasn't he? And Gooch came in. But I don't think we would have dominated the ball in the first half like we did. Well, no, I don't either. I think, I think it actually worked out for the best for us. I think it was probably a, one of those, you know, things that happen sometimes for managers. Things don't go as you expect them. You're forced into a last-minute change. And you actually reap the benefit. Like, you don't even know if we would really have played with Gooch as a wing-back. Um, as, as much as we did, apparently the back four, Winchester, Bailey, Wright, Flanagan and Doyle were warming up as a four. So, you know, who who knows how it would have yeah. panned out. But look, I think football-wise, we, we played really well. I think mentally, you know, considering the, the Portsmouth game where the weather was against us and we absolutely crumbled, that was obviously going to be on people's minds. I think mentally, 
we we tackled the game really, really well. And for me, that was one of the most pleasing aspects aside from the result. Was your view the same from the stands, Brad? A hundred percent the same. Exactly what Martin was saying there. Because, you know, if, say the first half we were, we played really well. Um, I was literally just going to completely say the exact same thing that Martin said. It was one of the best sort of first half performances for quite a few games. Even before the game, we were saying about, you know, go about Portsmouth kept getting mentioned. You know, we struggled in that kind of conditions. And going forward, it wasn't just a case of, yeah, you know, second half, it wasn't the, the most prettiest of football we've ever seen. But them lads are going to take so much out of just digging in and holding on. Even more probably than a, than a, like if Harry just scraped a 2-1 win anyway. You know, that was a really good performance yesterday. And anyone says otherwise, in my eyes, he's wrong. Yeah, well, the first half then we, um, like I said, we had the wind, Martin, and made it count because... Well, it was, it was every time the ball went up in the air, it was blown for us. But to be fair to Sunderland, we didn't exactly do what Cambridge did in the second half and keep it all in the air. We tried to play on the deck, didn't we? We tried to knock it about, and we did. We zipped it around well. I thought Dan Neal, uh, Carl Winchester in particular, were dead influential on the ball. We got it wide. When we did get it wide, we made it. We made use of it. I thought Lyndon Gooch, even though he played right back, probably had one of the best halves of football he's had in a long time. The two lads up front were hard-working, as always, but they occupied the defenders. They gave them things to think about. It wasn't as though we played in the air, was it? We, we tried to keep it on the deck. We actually thought, well, it's windy. If we put it up in the air, we're probably going to struggle to control the ball and keep hold of it. So let's keep it on the floor. Let's knock it around. We did that, and we did well. We did, and I think the other thing which um, worked for us, Lee Johnson spoke about after the game, in terms of with Pritchard's corners, he told Pritchard before the game... The chance he can score from here, just pile it in under the keeper, and use the wind. And like we did that well on a few occasions, didn't we? I thought I thought we actually used the conditions really well. Um we obviously won the, the toss, Bailey Wright, calling heads or tails correctly instead of Corey Evans. We, we <laughs> turned Cambridge round, obviously. So that was a good a good one to win, wasn't it? Because having that wind yeah, yeah, definitely. using that wind in the first half. You, you never know, do you, if it's going to die out in the second half or what it's going to be like after after an hour or so. It was a good one. And look, we, we did. It would have been tempting just to, to launch it and just pile on you know, high balls into the box and see how they dealt with it. But we played our, our game. We played around really well. They can't have, have listened to any podcasts, read anything. You know, there was a great thread on Twitter yesterday about how, to, how Cambridge could beat Sunderland. Um, you know, and even when Craig spoke to the <laughs> podcast, to the Cambridge podcast in, in midweek, you know, he was telling them, if, if you press us, chances are you'll get at us. And they stood off us in that first half. And I couldn't believe how much time they actually gave us to, to knock it around. Same. But yeah, we, we, we took full advantage of it and we, we played some really nice football. As I say, Gooch probably had his best game for... Probably his best game of the season, to be fair. Like He was getting wide. He, he wasn't oh, all the complicated easily, things. Yeah, easily, I think you've got box. to give him credit, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah, probably as well as he's played in a long time. He did. And look, you know, we spoke last week, didn't we, about you know the, the need or the challenges of, of changing to a back five. And I don't think... It was kind of a back four slash a back five because I think with without the ball, we were kind of in a back five. With the ball, we were kind of in a back four. It was a bit of a lopsided one, wasn't it? Yeah, Lee, Lee Johnson actually after the game, was he, he gave praise to Leon Diaco, but he said he was playing an unfamiliar position. Before the game, we'd heard Diaco was playing left wing back. It was it was sort of one of those where in possession we maybe played with a four yeah. out of position he dropped into the left hand side just to give Doyle some cover. That's um it. and I think yeah, I think it was it was a bit of an unorthodox sort of four man, five man defence, depending where we were with the ball. But it's it's another good sign, isn't it? Because obviously we've we've got horrendous injuries and that only got worse 
um, on, on Friday, didn't it, with the news of McGeady being out in 09. Lee Johnson's after the match, 09's out between three and nine months, which seems a hell of a bloody time scale to, to give, doesn't it? But you know, he's potentially out for the season. Yeah. So you know, he's got to figure out a way of using the players he's got left to win football matches. And you know, all credit to him and the players yesterday, it worked. I think the good thing is actually about that team because when the lineup came out yesterday, it took us a while to actually be able to work out what sort of formations he was going to be playing. Because as you say, because you know, we're looking at as it came up, we thought Winchester was going to be on the right hand side of a four. Um, but I think it just shows we, we've we've got a lot of players, and I've said it before, where we don't quite know what their best position is. Somebody like Gooch is he often in number ten? Is he on the right hand side? Is it but now now is he a wing back? We've got a lot of players who are jack-of-all-trades, which I think when your team is stretched like it is now, that's actually quite a good thing to have. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Even if you, Absolutely. If you look at Callum Doyle sort of going out to a bit of a left-back position, the way he was carrying the ball out of defence and giving a bit of width there when we had the ball, it was great. I mean, he was yeah. bringing the ball out beautifully. Um, so it's you know that versatility and adaptability, even for Winchester to go back into midfield, after thinking he's going to be playing right back or right wing back and warming up there, it speaks volume. And like you know, that's a performance that says the players are playing for the manager. You know, we've had all sorts of stuff over the past few weeks with the defeats and people are uh, you know criticizing Johnson and saying the players aren't playing for him. That was a performance that shows the players are well and truly behind him. I think, like, hundred percent. That I say that I agree with that. Then players gave. Everything for, you know, for for the shirt, for the manager, for the fans. Yeah, let's talk about the first goal then, since we've touched on it a couple of times. I mean, the wind, like I say, probably played its part. But uh, Lee Johnson said after the game, Alex Pritchard he told him to put those corners right on the goalkeeper because there was a possibility we would either you know one would go in or we'd score from it if we if we really pushed it. Um, and it couldn't have went much better really. The the goalkeeper was tr- totally wrong footed. It goes over his head, clatters off the inside of the post and they've given it as an own goal and I don't know if it actually hits him it's hard to tell from the I mean we've got one camera angle and then there was a video from behind the goal where I can't really tell if it does touch the goalkeeper on the way in but the, the important thing was that Pritchard did what he was told and yeah and um it worked right it was a good goal um and it's, that is literally using the conditions to your advantage you know it was a absolutely beautiful I've never seen a like score directly from a corner I think I've ever seen, you know, ever, like sort of live. Wabi Kasri did it in the Premier League. I remember him, I can't remember who it was against. Yeah, I think you remember, remember Martin? You've got better memories than me. Towards the end of, was it towards the end of Moises' reign when he came back? It was against West Ham, maybe. Um, I remember Craig Russell Possibly. scoring one in the full well end years and years ago as well. Ah, you're, you're an old man. <laughs> we don't talk about them days anymore. I'm talking about like a couple of year goal, man. Yeah. Uh, no. But yeah, it was a it was a good goal when it pressed. No, it it was a great goal. Great goal. It was um he took it really well. I, d- I actually didn't think it hit the keeper. I thought it went it was post and in and then scrambled off the line. Um so for me that I think that was Pritchard's goal. Um but yeah, absolutely perfect. Great, great start to the match that. Yeah, but to be fair, like we we kept it going, work off the ball was good, and then we did what we've done quite often recently, Martin, which is concede a shit goal. 27 minutes into the game, Sam Smith, uh, very tame shot, seems to seem to sneak under Thorben Hoffman. But, I mean, the whole the goal as a whole wasn't great, was it? The defending before before he even got the shot away was, was poor, wasn't it? It was a bit slack. I think it's one of those, you, you, you suspect Hoffman's probably been a, a little bit um, blindsided by that. You, you would think anyway, wouldn't you? Because nine times, well, you'd expect him to save it. It seemed to creep under him, it seemed to creep yeah. around him. 
So he must have been his sight, the vision must have been blocked or something there. But yeah, it was he was, bit, he was claiming like, that by the way. Yeah, he was. was he, he would went after the goal. Yeah, he was saying he couldn't see it. So yeah, like it, it's one of those where you kind of assume the keeper's a bit unsighted rather than it being a, a mistake. But it looked, a, it's a bad goal to concede. And you know, it's one of those um, situations again, isn't it, where we get in the lead and we're looking actually comfortable pushing for a second. Then we get caught with a sucker punch that was was really a poor goal to concede. So we've done that on a couple of occasions this season, and you kind of think get you know the the crowd gets back up, doesn't it? And the conditions aren't great, and you think, oh shit, here we go. But it wasn't yeah, the case. Yeah. And to be fair, Brett, we didn't crumble. We carried on. We kept pressing. I think straight after the goal, Dan Neal had a shot which we won a corner from. A minute after that, Ross Stewart uh, had a shot which the keeper held on to. Um, as it carried on after that, Gooch got a good cross into the box, which forced him into a corner, and um, we just kept pressing. To be fair, we didn't we didn't let the fact that we conceded cloud how well we played, um, and then after thirty six minutes, the second goal came. What a goal it was! But what was impressive? Not, I mean, we'll get on to the finish, but I was really impressed just in the build up how patient we were, because what we what we were doing um in recent weeks when we had the ball was overcomplicating it. And that's one thing Lee Johnson said after the Shrewsbury game, was that he felt that we were doing too much sometimes when we had the ball. He said, like, football's very simple. Do do the simple things well and you'll be all right. And that was evident in the first half to me because what we did do when, and it was mentioned earlier in, in, the, in the pod, Cambridge didn't want to press us. They didn't come at us. They didn't try and take the ball from us, really. So that allowed us to just, knock it around, play it sideways, little one-twos, create space, until an opening occurred. And then Nathan Broadhead receives the ball from Gooch. Um, good turn. I don't know what the lad who's marking him's doing. He jumps the other way like he's been, <laughs> like, I don't know, like a flashbangs went off in front of him or something. It's, if you watch him back, it's funny, actually. And um, Broadhead turns, swivels, and whacks it with his left foot. And it, I mean, it doesn't move. It's brilliant top corner. Probably the goal of the season to date. Um, brilliant goal, wasn't it? It was, and, and just sort of to echo what you just said there, it, it would be quite easy for the for the lads' heads to drop after their goal, um, but they didn't. They did actually keep a you know keep to the game plan, and as you say, keep it moving. But the goal itself, I was actually so I'm I'm behind that goal. Um, so it's just that I'm sort of, as you look at it, to the left hand side. So I'm literally in the flight of that ball. Like I can see it going in. He hit it absolutely yeah. lovely. What a goal that was! That Broadhead for me is there's a there's a really good player in there. Um, yeah, he goes occasionally, you know, odd little mistake here and there, but he always wants the ball. He's always looking, his head's up. Um, you know, I don't think in the long run we're going to keep him, you know, obviously he's, when, when his loan finishes. But, you know, there is a very, very good player in there. Um, but yeah, what a goal. You know, that, he's got that in his locker, definitely. Um, and I think he's also working really well um, alongside Stuart. I think we've now sort of stumbled upon this front two as opposed to just having Stuart up front with him off to one of the sides. He needs to be playing in the middle, bit of freedom because he's everywhere. He wants the ball. He always wants the ball. That lad. So yeah. it was a yeah top quality goal for me. Yeah, it was it was good actually. I know you've just touched on it there, the partnership between the two of them. Ross Stewart didn't really get into many scoring positions, but he did lay quite a few chances on a plate to Broadhead, didn't he, Martin? It's it's good when players start to connect because <clears throat> I mean one thing is is with those two, Broadhead's pretty similar to Stewart in the way he plays. Like they're both really hard work and they both want the ball all the time. You know, so naturally you would expect them to work well together because not one of them's shirking responsibility. The other, they're both trying to trying to get into good positions and work the ball forward. 
They are, and they both they've both got goals in them. And I think Broadhead's been very unlucky with injuries so far. You know, he, he came in. I think it was a Cheltenham game, wasn't it, where he had his had his first league start, played alongside Stewart, and looked really good together. And Broadhead was very unlucky not to score. And yeah. um, I think it was that that night where he, he kind of did everything but score, and then he limped off with a hamstring injury, which knocked him out for yeah. five or six weeks, wasn't yeah. it? So he's come back in, and obviously he started up front with Stewart against Ipswich. And after 20 minutes, Johnson kind of shuffled the team around and pushed him out to the left, didn't he? And we spoke on the pod last week about, you know, one of the benefits potentially going to three at the back was it enables you to pair Broadhead and Stewart up front together. And I think the more football Broadhead plays for us, because he's, he's like, what, he's 22 or 23, isn't he? But he's, he's hardly played any league football. I think he's made one appearance for Everton and... and a few appearances for Burton. Yeah, that I didn't realise until um, I watched the Quest highlight show last night. That's his first league goal in over two years. Because yeah. that's what the commentator said. Which you don't... I, I, I could have... I was in my head like, has he really not scored in the league for us? But yeah, you're right. He hasn't really started games in the league. No, he hasn't. But you, you can you can tell there's such a good quality player in there. He was guilty at times yesterday. He was kind of taking a few too many touches. There was one occasion... In the first half week, he was sort of dribbling towards the box and he had a chance to shoot and he stuttered and went, had another couple of touches, had another chance to shoot, tried to cut back on his left. So the more he plays, the more he's going to be getting into the into the swing of things, isn't he? But you can see the quality that's there. And I think if we can stick with those two up front and keep them both fit, that could be absolutely crucial for us over the next few months. Yeah. Well, the, I ran a poll on Twitter after the game. Um, just asking people for the man the match and it was Broadhead who came out on top actually by quite a margin I think that shows well, how well he played if you that goal you expected like, wouldn't you? <laughs> well he actually he probably should have had a hat-trick if we're being honest he had, yeah. I know we'll get on to the other chances in the game but he, prob- he probably should have had more than one goal um, but yeah it wasn't too long till half time that rolled around and the game flipped on its head really Brett didn't it the wind what was the wind like after half time in the ground so the f- first half the wind was because you could see the corner flags so di- the wind was directly towards the goal in the first half. Second half, it did turn slightly. So it was sort of like, almost like an angle across the pitch. So we did, it, it did lessen a little bit of that directly into the keeper's face. So it wasn't quite as bad, but it picked up still anyway. It was, say, it was a very strong wind. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it was a, so well, you say, this a game of two halves almost this one because it literally, when we got bombarded, didn't win the second half. Yeah, yeah, that that's pretty much the story of it. I, I would say for at least 30 minutes, 35 minutes, we had to withstand a lot of pressure. Pretty much straight out of half-time, Cambridge had obviously spoken in the changes about what they were going to do, and that was just get the ball into the box and make us concede corners and set pieces and, and hopefully score in their case. I mean, we 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 started off the um the half actually pretty brightly, I felt. Uh, Leon Diaco won us a corner pretty early in the half, and then around the 50-minute mark, Martin, another penalty appeal for Ross Stewart. It looked like a stone wall out of me. Yeah. Um, he was he was wiped out in the box again. And it just reminds us of every time every time I watch Stewart get like fouled and nothing given to him. It just reminds us of watching Niall Quinn years ago <laughs> when people used to hair into the back of him with their knees up. Yeah. And he would get whacked and kicked and all, you know, like a, and he never won a free kick. Like the refs just didn't like giving them to him. And it reminds us of Ross Stewart because every single time he gets fouled in the box, you just know he's not going to get a penalty for it. And it, another one for me that was a stonewaller. I it hasn't really been talked about after the game, but I think the refs got that really badly wrong. And the referee had a great position as well. He was he was probably only about ten yards looking directly at it, but it was a clear penalty. It was, you know, it's a, it's not a 
the one where somebody's coming clattering in, runs like steaming in from 15 yards and wiping somebody out, is it? But Stewart clearly knocks the ball around the defender and the defender doesn't get the ball, he gets the, the man, it's a clear penalty. And, you know, there was two last week against Ipswich that he should have had, in my opinion. And, you know, there was... I remember us talking after... Was it the MK Don? I think it was the three of us, wasn't it? After the, um, the MK Don's game where Stewart had got given the penalty that was probably really soft, um, the one that Lyndon Gooch missed. And we, I think it was either that part or the one after where we kind of made the point about, like, he, he might get a reputation for himself for going down too easily. And you, you just wonder whether that's playing on the mind of some... Some refs where or Stewart goes down easily, we've got to be certain before giving yeah. giving him one there and up. But to me, again, another another clear penalty and it's certainly another one you should have had in, in the past eight days. Yeah, you're right there, Martin. He did yeah. at the start of the season, he did have a couple of we got a couple of penalties in a few in a we couple of games in a row. Didn't we? On the opening day, didn't we as well? Yeah. Because he was all he's all he's all arms and legs, isn't he? That's what we was we had the exact same conversation. Yeah. And if someone catches him, he go, you know, he goes over. So I think you, you might be right there. His reputation may have, unfortunately, has gone you know gone before him a little bit on this one. Yeah, but yeah, the half went on and Cambridge did what they needed to do, which was try and barrage us. But like we've said repeatedly, we we dealt with it brilliantly, didn't we, Brett? It was it was for me the most pleasing aspect of the performance. I said before the game, we need a performance, and we got the performance. We just didn't get the 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 style of football some people probably wanted. But to me. When people are doubting the manager and saying that that he hasn't got the players on his side and that they're not playing for him, I think that second half shows that that's just a load of shit because those were players who were battling for their place in the team, battling for their teammates, battling for their manager and battling for the three points, right? Oh, massively. And like, we were saying in the pub beforehand, we were chatting to some Cambridge fans and we actually said, you know, we're... we're not particularly strong on you know crosses into the box you know defensively and that's oh brilliant that's our strength and you think oh second half came along and you could see it happening and it was one of those games where you thought God, if they get if they make it two all here they they'll make it three two and we're going to lose this game but our defenders stood up completely to the task yesterday now I know I say you, you said that you you know did the poll yesterday and Broadhead got man of the match and he played really well. For me, actually, Bailey Wright at the back was one of his best performances, you know, for us since he's been here. He was yeah, stopping. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Sorry to cut in there, but I, when we did the Twitter space after the game, all of us agreed Bailey Wright was probably man of the match. It was probably as well as I've seen him play. It was great. He was stopping every single cross coming. You know, he was stopping crosses. He was stopping shots. You know, and you know Flanagan as well. That they, 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 the them back, the three lads at the back were really stood up to the task yesterday. Um, and like you could see every single corner, they were bundling all around um, Hoffman, you know. And we, we they say every player stood up and was counted yesterday. And Lee Johnson has not lost that dressing room whatsoever. They were playing for him. Yeah, yeah. Would you agree, Martin? Oh, absolutely. I think it, it was just a performance, you know. And again, it was just a really pleasing performance from that aspect, wasn't it? And you know, with the amount of players that we had out injured, it would be easy for players to use that as an excuse. Horrible day. But look, we, we came through it. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily make everything absolutely all rosy. We know that the, the team has work to be done. We know that we've got injuries that we're going to need to strengthen in January and all that sort of stuff. And that, you know, that result doesn't make it all better. But, you know, if we said before the Ipswich game, would you take seven points out of the, out this week after the run of results we had? I'd have snapped people's hands off for that. So I think it's a really good yeah. tally to take from, from those three games. Yeah, Tuesday was crap. It was disappointing. We should have won. Of course we should, but 
if you look at it in the context of the three games, seven points is a really good return. And it yeah, it doesn't make everything right that you know was wrong a few weeks ago. But likewise, the three games that we lost didn't make everything that went on beforehand crap. So it's the course yeah. of the season. We we look at it in context, and you know, again, I think we're one point off average in two game um, two points per game now. So, you know, we're doing all right. Yeah. Well, I totally agree. I think we needed a big week this week and we've we've got it. I mean, like you just said, the performance on Tuesday was crap. There's no sugar coating it. But what what I think people need to realise is, I'm saying people very generally here, but I think what people who who sort of take every game incredibly seriously need to realise is that teams do go through bad spells. Teams do lose games. I mean, we drew on Tuesday... It's the second draw we've had all season. So, you know, yes, it was disappointing that we threw it away considering how the, the game flowed. But, I mean, we haven't drawn many this season. I think Lee Johnson said that he, he said at the start of the season that we would go to win every single game, which is why we haven't drawn so many games. And if you look at... Someone posted the league table, on, I think it was on Twitter, um... A similar point, well, pretty much the same point last season after 20 games or so. A lot of teams have played 20 games. I know we haven't. Um, but the league table around this time last year, Hull and Peterborough were way off. They both lost six games each. Blackpool were 13th. You know, it's it's not given who is going to win this league, who's going to go at this stage in the season. We're not even halfway through the season. Yeah. And... We're in a decent position. I mean, as we speak right now, we're on. We've played eighteen games. We've got thirty-five points. We're three points off Rotherham, who are top with a game in hand. I mean, their goal difference is far superior. But we, the the point the point being that we are nowhere near away from this. We we're we're well back in the race. We've got three home games coming up, um, and it obviously it's on the players and the manager to get those results and keep us in contention and and building up the league. But it just shows like how how short a week is in football because a week ago if you'd said if you'd spoken to most fans last last week before the Ipswich game Brett they probably would have said oh we're not going up now we're not good enough we're not going up whereas quite clearly we are we are still in the race we are quite clearly good enough oh definitely um, so a week's a week's a, a short time really well that's exactly it and as you say we're still in the mix now Every single one of these teams um, around us are going to are going to have bad patches and they're going to have good spells. And as long as you're still in the mix, it... Plymouth have lost the last three. Yeah, people are forgetting that they were top of the league a week ago. Exactly. <laughs> no, they've lost the last three games. So you know? are they sacking their manager then? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> but say yeah. we're still in the mix at the at the end of the day. And if we go for if you have a little like a bad patch like that, and you call him Streaky Johnson. Hopefully now we're going to go on a good, you know, a decent run, and we'll go on a streak of you know being unbeaten. So as long as we're touching base, as you say, we're not even half through the season. There's no need to press the panic button. Um, I think come if we're you know it's first of January and we're tenth, twelfth position, you might start to worry. But here and now, you know, we seven points without playing very well as well. You know, so we said it on Friday night that you know a couple of weeks back we hadn't sort of got out of second gear. We we're still not playing particularly good football, but we're unbeaten in three. So there's 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 work yeah. to do. You know, it's you know, let's not get overexcited because of the three games. But I still think we'd go up personally. I really do. Yeah, I'm going to put a question here from Twitter actually, Brett from Gerard Watson. He said, despite everything that's gone on in recent weeks, we've got 1.94 points per game heading into December. Is that seen as a positive start of the season in your eyes? 
So 1.94 points. Um, quick maths, that works out at 89.24 points you'll end up with. I saw the question just before he came on. <laughs> so... So I did, I'll be honest, I did, have, I did have a little quick bit of research on this one for once, believe it or not. Over the past five seasons, ignoring the COVID season, um, that would take you up three out of the five. Um, last season, Hull got 89 points. So that's, you would be joint points with Hull. Um, so and before that, um, Luton went up with 94, Wigan went up with 98, Sheffield United went up with 100. Before that, Wigan went up with 87. So that wins you the league two out of the last five seasons, but that gets you in second place, three out of the last five. So it's it's up there sort of form. Um, and also the key thing for me is, I bet all of those teams, I would like to see what points per game they were at this stage. Because most of those teams go up, go on their winning runs and get really hit form after Christmas. You know, it's in, in, the, in the championship rounds, you know, the last sort of, you know, March, April, May time, that's when they tend to go on runs as well. So here and now, I'm, I think that's okay. I do, I, I, I'm, I think that's, that's not a bad points, you know, points per game to have. No, I would, I would totally agree. Like we've, we've talked about it quite a bit already, but we're in around the right position. I mean, I would love to be top of the league, but we aren't, you know, and I think a lot of that's down to the way that the, the games have been broken up due to the international breaks. We've, there's only us, us and Wigan are up there at the minute who've, who've had, um, who are on 18 games. And I mean, we play at Oxford. That's going to be a game, and that's one of our games in hand. I think. Yeah. yeah um. So that that becomes very important, and we will come on to that. But it just shows you, like you know, you win if you do win your games in hand, and I know that's a big if. If you do win your games in hand, then it makes a big difference because we're then making ground on teams properly, and we're not thinking, well, we've got we've got that game in hand coming up. Let's win it. Let's go win it, and then, and then insert ourselves right because that's one thing that I think has plagued Sunderland since we dropped into this league Martin is the is the international breaks and the the fact that we're always a couple of games behind some of the teams above us who don't have the postponements we have and yeah it's it it would be nice wouldn't it to win that Oxford game and just just make sure that we we get a little bit closer when we can yeah it's good that we've rearranged it for for now rather than leaving it till March April sort of May time isn't it which we've done in the past yeah. I think, you know, on a lot of occasions, I understand, you know, there's a, a bit of a safety first mentality, isn't it, in calling off games for international call-ups. But like, vast majority yeah. of the time, I would much rather us just play the games because, you know, that, yeah. that, that season under Jack Ross, we went into that run-in after, after the Wembley game, didn't we, after, after the Czech Trade Trophy final. We had a number of games in hand and we looked, right, we're going to knock these over and get up. And we just... Fell. We got too. We played too many games in a short space of time, and the squad wasn't big enough to cope with it. And I think we just, you know, we we just need to get these games out of the way and get on on the same number of games played as everybody else. Hopefully, win those games that we've got in hand, and just keep track. You know, you'd much rather have have the points in the bag. I know it's easy to say, isn't it? But you'd much rather have the points in, in the bag than have those games in hand because yeah, we we never seem to to really take full advantage of them, do we? No. Uh, who, Brett, who do you think the biggest contenders are for the top two? Assuming we get up there, Malk asks on Twitter. He said everybody seems to be dropping points, which makes it very hard to call. Who who, who do you think the cont- the biggest contenders are? I mean, looking at the table, Rotherham are top, Wigan are second, Wickham are third, Plymouth are fourth above us. 
Yeah, look, look um, at that. We have teams around us, MK Don, Chef Wed, you know, there's, there are some good teams up there. And it's a bit like, as you said earlier, where there's, you know, if you look at previous seasons, teams that, it's not so much the teams that are in first and second might are still going to be up there come April, May. Yeah, you've got to look at Rotherham, you've got to look at Wigan, you know, they're going to be in and around it. I wouldn't write off somebody like Portsmouth. You know, they've gone on an absolutely crazy run recently. Um, I think it's like... Uh, they're got... only three points behind us. Yeah, you're right. Four four wins on the bounce. Well, I think yeah, I think it's actually six, it's six out of seven. I don't, they, they, had a, they got hit by four a couple. I think it was actually by Rotherham and Wigan, I think, hitting both for four. Or Ipswich hitting both for four. But then since then, they've gone on like an unbeaten run, like, like six wins out of seven games. So, yeah, somebody like that I wouldn't mm. write off. Um, so I think now it's, it's just so... These leagues, this like League One, the Championship, they're such hard leagues because every team can beat any other team, you know. And to call it now, you couldn't even call who's going to win the league this season because I do think there's no. so many twists and turns that's going to happen. But yeah, I, I think you know, I do think Wigan are going to be up there um, come the end of the season. Um, and as I say, I, I think Portsmouth will be my uh, dark horse um, at the moment. What about you, Martin? Is there anybody else you think might be a bit of a contender? I'm looking at the table. And from ninth, which is Portsmouth, up to Rotherham in first, there's only six points difference. Yeah, it's so, tight, isn't it? I think yeah. um you know, I, I think Plymouth will, will probably fall away a little bit. They've they've had a fantastically good start, but they they've had a, a few defeats in a row now, haven't they? So I think they could potentially drop off. Like Wickham are always a hard team. They just keep knocking results out, don't they? Like I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the season. In no particular order, if you've got the top three that are there now, which is Rotherham, Wigan and Wickham, us, Sheffield Wednesday, Portsmouth, all fighting out for those promotion places, you know, with, with three or four games left. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be tight. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I think we all know that. Let's quickly look over some of the other questions. Um, a lot of questions actually about sort of the squad and January coming up and things. I'll start with Robert Grimwood because it's a good place to start. Uh, he's asked Brett... Actually, no, Martin Newton had this one. I keep going to Brett. Martin Newton had this. Uh, He said, surely we need to start using the 23 squad and playing people in their specialist positions. Also, three at the back until the fullbacks are fit again. Centre mid is now the main concern. Would you agree that we need to start utilising the 23s more? I mean, I was one of them, one of the people who thought we should have probably started with with Dice yesterday. He didn't even make the squad. But it was just a suggestion that we could probably put someone who is actually left-footed and can play that position on that side. It was Kieran Dunn who made the bench, though, so um, interesting that, you know, because we've got so few senior players available, we might have to start calling upon the 23s, especially with the game midweek as well. We've got a AFL Trophy game as well where you're probably going to have to use quite a few of them. So, I mean, just on what Robert said there, is there anybody you would think to promote through? Look, I think in, in Johnson's press conference on Friday, he said that he was going to have to... Um, use some of the younger players. It was going to be an opportunity for them. And you know, when we it was a hard team to predict yes yesterday, wasn't it? But I think I I'd done the article on on the website, and the team that ended up starting, which wasn't the one Johnson originally picked, the team that ended up starting was only one player away from the one I'd predicted, and Dice was the one I'd I'd, I'd put in because I thought a natural left footer. You know, he's he's a left back, left winger. Um, he's looked decent in the Papa John's games. And I thought Johnson might have stuck him in just for that natural balance, but he obviously went with um, Dejaku in, in that system. But, you know, Will Harris has got a, bit, a little bit of a run out yesterday. Um, and as you say, Kieran Dunn was on the bench. You've got people like Wern um, coming in. You've got his Sona yeah. centre midfield, who's got to come in to, 
the thinking at some point because we, you know, with um, Evans made of God knows what he's made of, but it's not very strong, <laughs> and um, oh nine out, we've got the you know we're down to um, Dan Neal and Carl Winchester in in centre midfield, aren't we? So someone's yeah. got to come in. I would have thought there's you know there's some other players who will obviously like I would expect on Wednesday that team to be pretty much under 23s. I know there's an under 23 game on Monday, which is going to be interesting to see what team we put out for that. Because I think there's going to be a lot of players who would usually play for the under 23s who are lining up against Oldham on Wednesday night. Probably see Arbiter Jamadjali play, which would be good. Yeah, I hope so. I think Wednesday night's going to be a good audition for a lot of players um, you know, going yeah. forward. Yeah. Now, I know we spoke about it on Friday, Gav, when on, on, the, um, on the Twitter Live, saying if we lost yesterday... Like Oldham game becomes massive for a completely different reason, just to try and get some form. Seeing as we got the win, the pressure not the pressure's off. We're the wrong phrase to use, but now he can he can use those players from the under twenty threes and see who is good enough to step up. You know, for men's football. Um, so hopefully the players can uh, you know grab it, take full advantage of the opportunity they've got because we we will need those under twenty threes. What a brilliant chance that is, though, isn't it for all of those under twenty three lads? Because they have got a real chance to step into that eighteen-man squad for for Saturday. You know, there's yeah. a few positions yeah. available, and you know, even you look at the likes of um, you know, not single players out unnecessarily, but like Aidan O'Brien had a had an awful game on Tuesday night. And if somebody comes in on Wednesday in in an attacking role and has a stormer on Wednesday, there's surely a place on the bench up for grabs there. So mm-hmm. like, there's there's real potential to to make a quick step up in the first team if there's a good performance on Wednesday. So. As a young lad, as a young player, that's the sort of game you want, isn't it? Wednesday, you'd be absolutely dying to get out there. And to Johnson's credit, he does play the young players. He's not afraid to bring them in. So there's definitely opportunities yeah. for them. Well, it was interesting that um, he preferred Will Harris over O'Brien Martin, it wasn't was, it? Uh, in the game on, at the weekend. Because I, when I was thinking about I was looking at the bench, I was thinking, well, we didn't replace Gooch on there. So that leaves us with five outfielders. I think it was Embleton. It was uh, Fred Alves, uh, we had Harris, Kieran Dunn, Dunn. And, and Aidan O'Brien. Aidan O'Brien, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, so we had we had like very slim pickings, really, and I thought, well, O'Brien will definitely come on at some point just to shore us up, yeah. but he went with Will Harris. It actually worked because I thought that um, Harris, when he was on the pitch, actually put himself about. He held the ball up well and he actually set away... One thing we didn't talk about when we were talking about the game was when Harris won us the ball, he played it forward, I think, to Diakou or Stewart. It was the chance where Diakou, one of the rare moments in the game where he actually beat his man, and he put it across the goal to Stewart. Stewart sort of teed it off the broadhead, and I thought, he's got to smash the back of the net here, and he puts it high and wide. But really, really good by Harris, I thought. I, like I thought him. he's, you know, come on, young young lad who's not really had a chance to shine in the first team. Came on, was obviously told just run about, work hard, you know, make sure we do things simple and we we stop the ball hitting the back of the net. I guess you know you're not playing as a striker today, you're playing a little bit deeper, and he did all right, didn't he? he? Did. And I think that's one of those things where you know you assume that he's obviously been doing the job in training as well as with the under twenty threes, and he's you know putting in performances and he's been rewarded with with a run out from from the bench, and again that just gives motivation to all the other lads who were who were there if they put the yeah. work in and impress. As Brett says, Johnson will give him a chance. Yeah. Um, lots of talk before the game, Brett, about potentially recalling Jack Diamond and Josh Hawks from their loans in League Two. Um, Jason Beatty's asked about that one. Particularly when you're watching from the outside and you're seeing Diamond scoring goals for Harrogate. 
Josh Hawks is getting um, plaudits for some of the skill he's doing in games. I don't know if you saw the yeah. the video that uh, Tranmere put out of him not making a player and stuff. So they're obviously doing really well. So people are saying that and they say the fact that our squad looks a bit bare and they're thinking, why don't we just get them two lads back? I know we can't do it till January, but is that something you'd do or would you would you maybe leave them where they are? No, do you know what? I would bring them both back. Obviously, you've got um, McGeady's now out for, say, three months. Realistically, he's not. I don't think he's going to be playing for us. He won't be, definitely won't start another Sunderland game, I think, to the end of the season. He's not going to be fit. Um, so you've got someone like Jack Diamond can come in and almost be a replacement straight away from him. As you say, Josh Hawks, I know I saw when I think it was your like actually about uh, two, three weeks ago from um, the Tramir point of view. They are really pleased with him, aren't they? And he's, he seems to be playing on the left hand yeah. side of the attack. Yeah, I, I, I think there's scope for bringing both of them in. You know, and it, it just shows that it's kind of working, sending them out for a couple of months, getting some game time. And I think they're both ready now to step up because I think we need them anyway. And they're going to they're gonna get game time for us. Um, they've both got that little bit more experience with them, especially Diamond now. He, he's got to be ready to play. League One football for us, so yeah, I'd, I'd bring them both back. It's the, the argument against it, Martin, is that where they are at the minute, they're playing lots of football, like three games a week. Are they going to get that at Sunderland? Is that the best for their development? I mean, it's it's how you weigh it up, isn't it? Is it is it better to leave them there and develop and get a better player back, or is the situation so desperate that we need them and they're going to start games? Yeah, I think you know there's been some criticism potentially of um, of Diamond being let out. On loan at all, um, you know, especially with some of the performance that we put in a few weeks ago, and I, I saw some stuff online saying how ridiculous it was that Diamond had been let out in the first place, and I, I completely disagree with that. I think we saw at the end of last season that he's a player who's in need of a lot of first team football to get up to up to speed, and he needs to play that at a slightly lower level than where we're at at the minute, whether it's lower down League One or or in League Two, which he's doing. The interesting thing is that the club made a bit of a, a fuss about him coming back and training with the first team squad. Um, it was maybe a week or two ago. So he's obviously, obviously he's not very far away as he's in Harrogate. So he's obviously coming and training with the first team squad and being involved with the first team squad every now and again to keep him in the picture. I think whether we bring him or Hawks back or, or, or the pair of them really depends on what we've got lined up transfer-wise come the 1st of January because you know we're going to have a lot of games over January. We've um, pretty short of, on numbers, certainly in, in midfield, and Hawks could potentially fill in in, in the centre of midfield um, if, if we needed them to. Diamond is a good option to have off the bench. He's probably a better option to have off the bench than we have at the minute. So, you know, you're potentially looking at a situation where you recall them both in January, get them back involved in the first team. If by transfer deadline day, we've been able to acquire some, some strength in midfield and we've got a, a more robust squad now, we send them back out on loan again. So I think you know, the, we have to remember they're our players and we have to use them to the best of our advantage as well as their personal development. They've had three or four months out there yeah. getting regular football. I would bring them back in January, let them you know, come back into the squad, see what they're about, see if they can make an impact. If we haven't got the players in or we, we think they can actually play a full-time role, keep them. And if not, get them back out and known because there'll be plenty of people who want to take them. Yeah. Very quickly then, we'll quickly touch on the... The Football League Trophy second round game against Oldham. Has anybody bothered about this one? <laughs> <laughs> anybody really asked if we if we win or lose in this in this particular game? I, I'm per- not. I'd- Personally, I, I always want us to win games. I never, you know, I'd I'd much rather we we, we win it. And, and if if we're using it smartly, and we, you say we're trying bring other you know, the young players in, we're not overstretching the first team squad. I'm actually happy to stay in it 
for, for that reason, it's just when it becomes, it, it affects your league form and it's your league, your, your first team players keep getting involved when they don't need to. Um, I'm happy to be in it yeah, if we yeah. if we use it wisely. Yeah, all of them are shite, Martin, the second bottom of the league too. So... Oh, that, that, that's them winning then, Gav. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, well, that, 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 I don't think they'll take it seriously. I think they'll probably pick a second string themselves. So, you know, just throw a load of kids in and let them have a, have the opportunity. But don't, obviously, we, what we've got, not got to do is, is make make it obvious to those young players that it's not an important game. I think Lee Johnson's not like that. I think what he'll do is he'll, he'll say, look, this is a really good opportunity for you lot to to get yourselves into that squad on Saturday, like you said, Brett, because there are places up for grabs now, and um, there's, there's a handful of them there. When you think, like, you've got Will Harris, Benji Kimpioka, um, I don't know where they're at with, with Jim Adgley, but he's playing pretty much every week for the 23s now. Um, Harrison Sona, Stephen Wern, Kieran Dunn, because we don't have a left-back, you know, if he starts that game, Tyrese Dice. So there's, there's seven I've just named who who, if they have a good game, I think could force their way in. So, I mean, it can be a useful exercise, Martin, can't it? It can. Look, and I'm, I'm not actually bothered about progressing in the competition, but I'm, I'm really bothered about getting the positive result and the positive performance on Wednesday night. I think there's so many players who, can, who as we've said, can make a, a claim for a first-team place with a good performance. And if we can, you know, we'll name an, a much-changed side. It's, it's undoubtedly the case, isn't it? Like Patterson will probably come in in goal and, a lot of the players that you've mentioned there, Gavel, will probably start. And you know, if we can win that game, regardless of whether Oldham name a second choice side or what, if we can win that game three or four nil, the confidence just comes up. The the young players are full of confidence coming into the first team for Saturday. You know, you saw the amount of bloody crap going on after the Bradford game where we lost some penalties in a game that nobody was <laughs> apparently bothered about. So I just think for everybody's mental well being and the positive feeling after the after the Saturday game going into Oxford, which is a massive game on Saturday. If we come into that off the back of a 4-0 win against Oldham, then the world's a much bloody happier place. Like, So I think it's actually a really important Yeah, game. I've changed. you've changed my mind. Yeah, <laughs> go on, then we do need to win. Yeah, keep the winning feeling going. Uh, right, cheers, lads. Thanks for joining us. We're going we're gonna to leave it there. Uh, everybody listening, if you, as always, keep up with RotorReport.com. We've got loads coming this week. Uh, we little teaser, we will be starting our um, Christmas fundraiser for the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. And there's a nice bit of news to drop on you right at the beginning of that. So keep an eye out for that starting this week because we're going to need your support right through December as we raise money for a fantastic cause. Uh, I'm recording a podcast with Andrea who runs the soup kitchen. So that'll be out this week at some point. So there's lots of nice stuff coming your way this week. Of course, you've got the Twitter spaces on Monday with our Southern Ladies crew uh, probably looking at the England game. England played at the Stadium Light this weekend, which we haven't even mentioned. Um, so yeah, lots of good stuff coming your way ahead of next weekend. So thanks for joining us. Cheers. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com 
is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.